I think one of the issues with people who love the show is that they see Walt as a hero. I don't even see Walt as an anti-hero. I understand that my protagonist is a villain. Hello everyone, this is Alex. And this is Em. Welcome to the latest episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. This is the podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be discussing what we loved, what we hated, and what's just a bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to, and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today, Em and I will be discussing the first three seasons of the iconic crime drama Breaking Bad. AMC's sleeper hit is about a high school chemistry teacher who, after being diagnosed with stage 3 lung cancer, turns to drug dealing and quickly becomes a kingpin. So what is it about Breaking Bad that has made it a critical darling, and how does the series hold up in our estimation? Stay tuned. All right, everyone. So Breaking Bad is a crime drama, a thriller, a neo-Western, a dark comedy, and a tragedy. It was created by Vince Gillian, and it aired on AMC from January 20th, 2008 till September 29th, 2013. It lasted for five seasons and a total of 62 episodes. It has had two spinoffs, the series Better Call Saul and the movie El Camino, A Breaking Bad Movie. The series stars Brian Cranston as Walter White, Anna Gunn as Skylar White, Walter's wife, Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman, Walter's partner and former student, Dean Norris as Hank Schrader, Walter and Skylar's brother-in-law, Betsy Brandt as Marie Schrader, Skylar's sister, Hank's wife, and Walter's sister-in-law. R.J. Mitt as Walter White Jr., Walter and Skylar's son. Bob Odenkirk as Saul Goodman, Walter and Jesse's lawyer. Giancarlo Esposito as Gustavo Fring, a.k.a. Gus. Jonathan Banks as Mike Ehrmantraut, Gus's cleaner and hitman. Laura Fraser as Lydia Rodart Quayle and Jesse Plemons as Todd Alquist. So those are all our major players. Um, let's get into it. So Breaking Bad aired on AMC, like we said, for five seasons. These were not very long seasons at all. The longest season was the last one, which was only 16 episodes. This first one was seven episodes. This was the most tentative of tries in the history of trying out a new show. So season one, we meet Walt... Walter White. Walter White, he's a high school chemistry teacher who, even just as a chemistry teacher, he's working part-time to make ends meet while he's at a car wash. And he collapses. And when he collapses, he goes to the hospital where he finds out that he has inoperable um, late-stage lung cancer. After sort of ruminating with this diagnosis, he realizes, you know, the, co- the health costs alone are going to put his family completely underwater and they're, and they're already struggling. So he links up with like one of his old students in the form of Jesse and they cook crystal meth together. And that's where like this sort of starts off. The first thing that we learn about Jesse is that Jesse was actually a really brilliant student that Walt had had a lot of high hopes for. Um, arguably and arguably the best student that Walter had ever had. And then the second thing we learn about Jesse is that Jesse is an addict now. And um, all that potential that Walt saw in him has more or less 
been squandered or at least not been put to use this entire time since he's left high school. But Walter intends to put it to use for his own ends right now. Based on the premise alone, Walt is actually quite the sympathetic figure, right? You've got this guy, he's middle-aged, he is a full-time teacher, part-time car wash employee, a family living from paycheck to paycheck more or less. They cannot afford any surprises, particularly not treatment for cancer. They have a son who it has a disability and you know is special needs. There's a lot going on in his life. There are people with dealing with a lot less who have been, you know, more or less overwhelmed by it all. I've seen movies or read books with characters similar to Walt who just decided to just be like, you know what, this is too much. I'm tapping out and would just take themselves out of the situation and hope that their family got their life insurance money. And despite it all, he wants to fight this, but he needs the money to do so. I feel like regardless of who you are, you can't look at that and say that he's necessarily in the wrong. But Walter stops being a sympathetic figure actually quite early. He's a psycho from the beginning. That's an opinion. (laughs) He's a psycho from jump. And this was just like the catalyst. Like I feel bad for Walt, but I feel bad for Walt for a total of like three episodes. And then I think I'm finished because I'm like, oh no, like he's just... He's psycho. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about when I say he's sympathetic at first, but that goes left very quickly. I did mention this season was only seven episodes long. So, yeah, it didn't take long for Walt to just be doing the most, unfortunately. So Walt hooks up with Jesse, and they decide to cook up some meth together um, using Walt's particular recipe. Walt's recipe is actually quite good, better than anything else that's going on around. And this quickly lands him in hot water very quickly because he's not the only person cooking shit. He's not the only person trying to sell shit in the area. Walter really gets in over his head very quickly. And because he didn't think this shit through, he quickly brings a lot of danger to he and Jesse's lives. This season, it's basically encapsulated by Walt and Jesse cooking meth together, Walt essentially putting their lives in danger us meeting Walt's in-laws there by his extended family and basically how this string of bad decisions puts a strain on he and Jesse's relationship as well as his relationship with his wife, Skylar. Breaking Bad is like the show. Like it's the critical darling. Like everybody loves this show. Everybody has like nothing but like, this is the most amazing show to ever be a show. And like in the history of shows, it has like that, same sort of like wry, dark sense of humor that I think is like really popular, popularized that. I mean, the first frame that we see in the pilot is Walt's pants just sort of like flying in the air. That's kind of hilarious. White man like running away in like tidy whities And that's really funny, like image. In the first four episodes, there's a scene where Walt takes a sponge thingy from a car wash And he blows up this guy's car just to do that shit after just getting some bad news. And I think that's what, like, really gets me about Walt is that, like, Walt's big thing is that, like, he's driven by, like, pride and ego. So many things in his life could be solved. Pride just doesn't let him. And then when bad things happen as a result of his pride and ego, he, like, seeks to destroy other people's lives as a tool to deal with stress and anxiety. And that is just, like, psycho. I thought the the writing was quite good. And I thought the acting was quite good, particularly the acting. Now, Brian Cranston stars as Walter White. And honestly, even though they haven't done anything to change his appearance, he was unrecognizable to me for the first two episodes as the dad from Malcolm in the Middle because he had gone through such a radical shift in character. Um, Everything from his tone, speech pattern, body language, I thought it was excellent. The issue with Breaking Bad is that Walter is not a good person. Walter is not likable. And I think once you get past the need to like the protagonist, you can see the show, the quality of the show, at least in my opinion. I know a lot of people actually really did like Walt and continue to like Walt throughout the series and probably saw themselves in Walt. But when I think about the show, the way that the show blended action and exposition and drama and the layers going on within the people entangled in Walt's circle. Even if this wasn't a TV show, if it was a book, it's a book that I would have read. One of the chief issues in Walter's life is his brother-in-law, Hank. Hank is a DEA agent, and the show kind of 
gives us Hank at first a combination of someone who cares very much about his job. But um, in regards to what Alex said about Walt's ego, this is very much correct. Walt thinks that he's so much more intelligent than the people in his life, which ends up being an Achilles heel for him because Hank is one of those people. When Hank gets involved and starts investigating the new drug dealer, drug lord in town, he's really investigating Walt. And Walt doesn't really take it as seriously as he should because he thinks that he'll be able to outsmart Hank. I'm not sure why he thought that since Hank's been a DEA agent for what, like 20 years or something. But Walt is just, he's very in love with himself, which is another reason why he stops being a sympathetic character very, very quickly. He's in love with his own intellect. Hank is definitely the picture of like the type of person that that I think people just like look down on for a lot of fair reasons. He's like really misogynistic very openly. He's like openly racist. Right. Marie is a whole kleptomaniac, you guys, which I thought was super interesting because her husband's in law enforcement. Now he's DEA. He's a drug enforcement officer, so that's not really his bag to be like arresting people who steal from Nordstrom or whatever. But it's super interesting because it's something that he's aware of and it doesn't undermine his love for Marie, which I think is super interesting because I almost see their relationship as a miniature version of what Skylar and Walter's relationship ends up being. Except in their case, Skylar is expected to cover up for much larger crimes being committed by Walt. Right. But yeah, Marie and Hank are pretty interesting characters. Hank reminds me, and I was talking to Alex about this a couple weeks back when he started watching the show again. He kind of reminds me of the Stan character on The Americans, except, you know, because he's he's kind of just missing the mark. The difference, though, is I think AMC goes out of its way to portray Hank as being a stupid person because he's all the things he said, because he's racist, because he's misogynist. Walter keeps throwing him off track. But in later seasons, we see just how good Hank's instincts really are. One of my my sticking points with the writing, as good as I think it is, I feel the show goes out of its way to try to make you like Walt, even though I don't think he's likable. I think one of the issues with people who love the show is that they see Walt as a hero. I don't even see Walt as an anti-hero. I understand that my protagonist is a villain, <laughs> but I feel like I'm in the minority on that because the people heaping praise on the show don't see Walt as a villain most of the time. Right. His whole journey from beginning to end just reads as like one big like incel light fantasy. <laughs> He's done all the things that you're supposed to do. And then, you know, shit still goes left, which like, that's a lot of bull. But this cancer diagnosis is a catalyst for him to realize he did not like the life he was living. Walt's initial actions, which like you said, were like bonkers and not the actions of a mentally healthy, good person. I initially thought was just him acting out because of the initial diagnosis. It it took that first three, four episodes for me to realize, no, this is his actual personality that he probably kept tempered and that it's exploding to the surface now because he's unhappy with his life and he's dealing with this horrible diagnosis. So it, it, it actually takes a while for me to realize, for me anyway, to realize that Walt is not just acting out temporarily, but that he's a bad person. So the next person, I guess, like a little bit more that we find out, like Jesse, his former student, Jesse, um, like you said, was an is an addict. He's somewhat functioning. He cooks crystal meth. Part of the tragedy of Jesse is the whole thing in life, in a general larger sense, is like find something that you're really good at. The tragedy of Jesse is like cooking meth is what he's really good at. Jesse was so irritating to me, you guys. I'm sorry. Like I love Jesse. I I felt so terrible for his character on so many occasions. But like, check this out. Jesse's really good at cooking meth because Jesse's really good at chemistry. Like Jesse could do other chemistry related things. Jesse could have been a physician. Jesse could have been a pharmacist. You know, there's no painter in the world who's only good at painting with the color red, right? <laughs> like, Jesse, get your life together, son. But it's also like, but does he want to be a doctor? Like Jesse does not seem like the kind of person that would deal well with people. Maybe he could do something with children. He seems to get along with children. The thing about Jesse, though, is I feel like his character was undermined because we just did not see him in periods of sobriety long enough to, like, gauge his real personality, you know? 
I think there are a lot of things like that where we're missing characterizations or we're missing like development. We're missing these key components of key characters and it just never gets resolved. In regards to even that point is later on when Jesse tells this story about this box that he made in Woodshop and I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this story about this dumbass box? I mean, they go to the point where Jesse tells this story about the box in like third season and then in fifth season, we have this callback to the box story and you actually see him in a flashback finishing this box. And I'm like, wait, seriously? That This is it? Like, <laughs> halfway through season one, we meet these people called Elliot and Gretchen. Elliot and Gretchen are a super wealthy white couple who own this company called Gray Matter. And I don't remember what they do. It's science stuff. That's what I remember. And they got really rich off of it. And basically we learn that Elliot, Gretchen, and Walter were all used to be friends. In fact, Walter and Gretchen used to date. And essentially when they were coming up with this company, Gray Matter, Walter contributed a lot of work. He essentially helped build the company. But in the end, he left when they became rich. And this is what I talk about. He just shoots himself in the foot because they go to this party. Elliot and Gretchen are having this housewarming celebration thing, whatever. They're all like sort of reminiscing about like the old, the good old days. Elliot, unbeknownst to Walt, has talked to Skylar. And so Elliot, you know, mans up and he's like, hey, come work for the company again. Like, we could use you. And Walt's like, oh, no, I don't know what I would contribute. He's like, no, you've got great ideas. And and then he says, you know, we have great health insurance. We have the best health insurance. Not only offering him a job, but essentially getting an offer to pay for his, his cancer treatment. And then because Walt realizes that Skylar said something, Walt is like, fuck you, essentially, and tells him to piss off and turns it down. And I'm just like, mm, for what? Maybe. That pride, though. Right. And Gretchen herself also offered to fund his chemo, right? Right. Not even come work for the company. Like, just literally, like, here's some money, Walt. Good luck with chemo. And he's like, I'm good, actually. Yeah, you're right. His ego is his big Achilles, and it will continue to be that way for the duration. I think what I liked best about the writing in season one was that we do get this setup that Walter is not a good person that it took the cancer to bring out the worst in him, that he is a villain, even though we get a pretty interesting cast around him, these other people only really exist to be collateral damage for our protagonist, who's the villain. (laughs) Right. Like, something that I thought about, I mean, something that's in my notes is like, I wish I would have seen more of Walt Jr. I wish I would have seen more of Skylar and sort of how they are taking all of this. We hear from them, but only in like the most superficial of ways, ways that don't sort of speak to them specifically as characters. So for example, there is a episode, there is a speech that Walter makes because he initially decides not to get treatment. And Walt makes a speech to his family after they hold this like sort of quasi intervention where he goes, you know, I don't want, I don't want chemo. Like I don't want to be so sick that like I, I can't lift my head up off a pillow. I don't want you like wiping my ass. I want to like feel myself and feel my body and let my body take its natural course in this disease process. Cause I mean, his prognosis is really bad. I think he has like, he's eligible for hospice. In fact, Walt is cause he only has six months. After Walt makes this speech, we get like the very briefest reaction shots from his family with Hank's wife crying which is annoying. And then it cuts immediately to the next morning. Skylar is like washing a dish. He comes behind her and he's like, okay, I'll get treatment. One thing that Sons of Anarchy really got right is that when Jax makes decisions that affect Tara or like affect Gemma, we get a scene with Tara away from Jax processing that decision. We see directly how it affects her. We, we get time with her to see like her inner workings And that's a big thing. The show doesn't give me any time to empathize with Skylar. Skylar is like big and pregnant when all of this is happening. And you would think we would get some sort of her at the doctor's office. And then, you know, the doctor's like, hey, like your cortisol levels are like off the roof. You know, you 
take any more amount of stress and like you're going to kill this baby and like and then have her grapple with that and then understand that that is coming from Walt not wanting to take treatment and then we as the audience could really empathize with her and like empathize with her decisions and empathize with all the actions she's taking but we don't get any of that and like obviously if you can infer that as an audience member but like if you do not explicitly show that on screen you're encouraging your audience not to empathize with that character you're essentially saying that that character's inner life or inner workings is not important enough when you exclude stuff like that and that's one of my biggest gripes that's very valid i was actually thinking about skylar quite a lot especially in season one i have the same issue in not seeing skylar the way that we should have and really get an exposition of her own feelings. It kind of reminded me a little bit of you. And I know that's a reach, but bear with me. I'm going to explain you guys. So when the first season of you dropped, a lot of people hated Beck. And all we ever saw of Beck was times and the locations where she was being stalked and projected upon by Joe. We didn't really get to the heart of who Beck was until she was a prisoner in that book cage and was bleeding onto a piece of paper writing the last thing that she would ever write. And, you know, she talked about how her parents' divorce had affected her and how being mistreated by other family members had affected her. And we really got to humanize Beck at the very, very end. I pretty much see people who think that Walt is a hero or an anti-hero in the same way that I see people who went up for Joe Goldberg. Something is wrong with you. Right. And it's like, (laughs) and you can blame that on them. Like, and I do blame that on them. The blame is shared 50-50 because at a certain point as a writer, if you are not like taking these into these things into account and you're not making them explicit on screen, you are also encouraging the audience to, to hate a certain character. You know what I mean? Um, Right, right. They absolutely encouraged the audience to hate Skylar. Um, I think they were supposed to set it up like, he needs a ride or die right now, and she's not a ride or die right now. Okay, and fine. It's their fault that you hate Skylar, but it's not their fault that you love Walt because Walt is given so many escape hatches. He's given so many options out, and he refuses them. Walt stops being a desperate man very early. He has friends who come to his rescue, and he chooses to keep going down the path that he does. Yeah, I think the show wants to ride the li- the same line that, like, Sons of Anarchy rides in terms of like Jax is doing these things. Jax's line is the same line as Walt's line of like, I'm doing this for my family. I want my family to be okay. Like my family, my family, my family. The reason why it's sort of harder to suss it out with Jax is that when something bad happens to Jax's family, like Jax is legitimately like horrified. Like he really does feel bad. I don't ever know that I buy Walt. <laughs> like feeling bad when bad things happen to his family. I mean, when I look at the Walt character, I think of someone who is a sociopath. Yeah, I'm going to armchair this, you guys. I'm going to diagnose this fictional character. Contrary belief, sociopaths are capable of forging relationships and functional relationships with other people. But you get that right trigger and shit hits the fan, essentially. I think Walt tells himself he's doing things for his family because he knows that's what he's supposed to be feeling. I'm supposed to be concerned with my family, my wife, our unborn child, our son. But everything Walt does is essentially for him. I think the one critique I have with the writing in season one and the the tweak that I would have personally made is that Walt should have gone back to work with Elliot and Gretchen. And if you want to pull him back into the life of crime, what you can do is maybe he goes back to working for their company and then he finds out or they let it slip or they pull him in their inner circle and he finds out that their company, which is a front for a drug business or something like that. So he's essentially still in the same business. But when you give your a character an escape hatch, an easy way out, and they don't take it, and they, they continue going down a road that's not only hard, but illegal, and could destroy their family, that is a villain. <laughs> I think the show wants us to, like, hate Elliot and Gretchen, but, like, they're just really nice people. Yeah, we hate everybody that Walt hates, which is interesting because I feel like if you don't understand the essence of the Walter character, which I feel like a lot of the show's fans do not, it will really play with your emotions. Like, if you're not very grounded 
with a sense of what's right and what's wrong. So season one ends with a confrontation between Walter and Jesse and this dealer named Tuco. Tuco is a dealer that they deal with initially because they sell crystal meth to him wholesale. Tuco beats like his dealer to death. Walt gets his first close-up look. The violence that essentially comes with doing what they're doing. He's excited by it. Like he's horrified, but it's definitely like a 60-40 split. 40 like being horrified, 60 being like very much excited. If you had been making excuses past episode three, it's time to stop. So for me, season one is, it's good. I think the show visually is really interesting. I think it has a dark sense of humor. I thought the season first season was good as well. And I really love the way that the show was shot from a cinematography standpoint. I thought it was very, very good. I remember the first time I watched Breaking Bad, I fell into the second or third episode. Someone else was watching it. And for a minute, I was like, is this a movie? Um, (laughs) Setting up your protagonist the way that Walt is set up is risky. It's really risky. That could have gone south so bad. Season one was good, yeah. Let's jump into season two. Season two was 13 episodes long. So I guess they realized that the show had been popular enough. And so they they gave them a few more episodes this time around. And Brian Cranston actually directs the season two open. Yes, I did see that. So season two picks up right where season one left off. Tuco's number two is dead. Later on, when the DEA like catches on to them, Tuco kidnaps Walt and Jesse and holds them hostage. They eventually will kill Tuco and escape. And that's where we are going into season two. It hits the ground running, which is good. So unlike Walt, who I think is like a 60% is living the violence because the violence excites him. Jesse is not, is the complete opposite. He is not prepared to deal with the amount of violence it takes to do this. Right, right, right. I mean, in a lot of ways, especially in this season, Walt reminds me of a comic book villain. And they're always kind of like what Walter started off as. That very intelligent, unassuming, regular, regular-ass job, regular-ass life. And then he has an inciting incident. All of his latent rage at being regular <laughs> comes to the surface. And Jesse's just a guy that really is just trying to get high and, and live a life of peace. <laughs> and by now, like Walt has created this his alter ego, aka Heisenberg. And when Walt comes home after killing Tuco, he's like so high off of like the power of killing Tuco that he then almost rapes his wife. Uh, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna throw an almost on that. Sorry, I can't like I can't. <laughs> he he definitely sexually assaults her. It's really horrible to watch. And I think this is when, this is why when I say I judge people who think that Walt is a hero, like I mean that shit with every fiber of my being. I don't know how they could have made it more clear that Walt loves power, that Walt does not care about his family structure, and rape itself is a crime of power. He comes home not feeling ambivalent, not feeling remorse. He feels renewed. He feels invigorated after killing Tuco. It just sucks. And I feel bad. And I really feel bad for Skylar. I didn't come away with a lot of strong feelings for Skylar, but I do feel like really bad for her in this moment because it's like her husband is like just doing complete 180 as a person. And she just has like no explanation of why that is. I mean, she's trying to to manage as best as she can. Walt and Jesse then make the decision to go into business for themselves, handling cooking and distribution with Jesse putting together a crack team or a mess <laughs> team. A crack team of meth. Yeah, a crack team of of meth, meth addict to sell. Basically his his little addict friends. And well, at first it goes about as well as you would guess. But then it, I guess they, they pull it together. From like episodes five through eight, we actually meet Jane, played by Kristen Ritter. Jane is another severely undeveloped. Basically all the female characters are like very underwritten and undeveloped. Jane being, I think, the most undeveloped of them all. But Kristen Ritter is also firmly in like, I think her bag in terms of like the type of role she does really, really well. So it doesn't necessarily 
feel like it. I had some problems with the underdevelopment of the female characters on the show as well. And hell, some of the male characters, I actually think that the Marie Schrader character was the best developed in regards to getting a backstory, getting some type of personality, even though she doesn't really have many direct interactions with our protagonist. Yeah, I think my my sticking thing is, is like uh they these people feel like ideas of people, if that makes any sense. Like they feel It does. It does make sense. Like but they're not but they're just that, they're ideas. They're not really fleshed out. And that that's what was missing. The show has time to do it. They just it just chooses not to. Jane is a recovering addict or at least she's trying to recover. But something interesting that happens is we meet this character Spooge Spooge and his wife and this is one of the first times we see like the human cost of what Jesse and Walt are doing by the way one of my things that bugs me is like Aaron Paul's teeth are so nice and they should Mm -hmm. fix that right I mean we've seen meth and crack addicts on tv before you better get your makeup department on that Right. Get your prosthetics and do something. (laughs) Either they, it it genuinely never crossed their mind because maybe none of these writers have ever met a meth addict or they, we were supposed to be reminded that he grew up middle class. (laughs) Something, something. Jesse gets a whole bag of meth jacked from him by Booge and Walter is like, go out there and get it back. And I will say that Jesse has the right attitude personally. I'm he's like yeah you know sometimes you should just get stolen <laughs> like that's right. probably would have been my attitude I'm like and I too would have thought it was like because Jesse's like it's not it doesn't make any sense to go after like crazy meth heads like when you're at that point of addiction he's like they'll do anything like it's it's not worth Jesse's like it's not worth uh the risk and like the energy to go get it back, which I would have personally agreed with as well. Walt does not feel that way. So so Jesse goes and tries to find where they are. And when he does, he encounters their child at first. And the child is in, I mean, to say, I feel like even saying severe state of neglect is not um, accurate. <laughs> That's an understatement. That's an, an understatement. <laughs> and like, I'm not laughing at child neglect, but it's like really bad, you guys. Just, just... <laughs> It's so bad. The boy is visibly dirty. The house is visibly dirty. Like, the boy is malnourished. Like, I I don't know how. And he's old enough to talk, so he should be in school. Right. And I just want to point out, like, FYI, meth is something that you can smoke secondhand. Any place where people are smoking meth and or cooking meth, that child is getting a contact high. Believe that. Right. Because that I know because that was like several episodes of Grey's Anatomy <laughs> was the, the meth baby. Really? Yeah. Really? So we have a, a baby in in worse state than that baby because at least they that baby was clean. A Grey's baby, they took care of that baby. They might have been meth addicts, but they're like, listen, we're going to wash this baby and feed it. Like this right. other baby, the Breaking Bad baby is... Is woof. And it hit me. It hit me really hard. I was like, damn, this is ugly. I agree that Jesse had the right attitude. Like, this is the drug game. You're not always going to get your products. You're not always going to get your money. It is what it is. That's what the fuck you signed up for. If you wanted stability, you should have gone to work for Gretchen and Elliot. Right. And it's also like, you know, it's drugs, but it's business like any other business. You have breakage. You have loss. You know, maybe you have a lot. Maybe the loss prevention policy is a bit more violent than other loss prevention policies, but it's, you still have one. Um, and you should still sort of expect that. Um, I guess I bring up Spooge, that whole episode and all of that is clearly supposed to be like, where we're like, Oh, what Walt and Jesse are doing are so bad, but it ultimately rings hollow. And this is why I think when you have, when you make a consequence for like characters in your story, it has to actually have direct effect to those, to those Uh, to your main characters it somehow has to be like integrated within their plot this sort of feels just like a one-off I guess my example is like think about Donna Donna was like a minor character but because she's connected to Opie her death like is like a huge deal like it's the first time we really understand the weight of what the club is doing and Right. And just for the audience clarity, she's talking about Sons of Anarchy now. 
yeah, sorry. The spooges, while like like horrible and sad, don't really affect Walt and Jesse because like they're not really connected to Walt and Jesse in any sort of manner. Sort of comes off one after school specially and it rings hollow. Right. I agree with that. You know, the Donna character's death on Sons of Anarchy, it wasn't just that she was connected to our main character, Opie, but that we get to see him suffer, suffer deeply on an emotional level from the moment she dies until the moment he dies. Even though he got remarried to Lila, he's still suffering with the weight of what happened to Donna and grappling with the fact that it was the club that did this to her. We always see what it means for him on an emotional level. Every single time we see the character, we see the shift in his personality during the grieving process. Jesse and Walt aren't grieving the spooges. (laughs) They don't give a fuck. Consequences are rarely real for Walt. I will say that on the show. Consequences are rarely real for Walt because it's either someone he doesn't give a fuck about or it's something that he he finds a quick fix for. Right, so that's why I'm sort of like, eh. Like, I get what they're trying to do, but it's like, eh, I don't know. It doesn't hit. We're also introduced to Saul. We meet Saul, finally, who gets his spinoff, Better Call Saul. He's very funny. His introduction is also very clever and very funny. I definitely thought Saul was the levity that the show needed. You know, it, like you said, it has that dry sense of humor throughout. But Saul was really like that uh, that missing element I felt for the show. Um, I'm glad he got his own spinoff. I haven't watched it. Sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> uh, one of my mutuals is a, a writer on that show. But I, I definitely think that he helped make certain scenes with Walt more bearable to watch, in my opinion. Gretchen, Gretchen, who we met earlier, Gretchen finds out that Walt is like using her in a lie. Walt has told Skylar that like he swallowed his pride and Gretchen has been paying for his cancer treatments. And because Skylar is like, a normal person. Skylar calls Gretchen and is like, hey, thank you. Like, we really want to have you over to dinner. And Gretchen covers for Walt and covers for, like, the lie. But when Gretchen demands to know, like, what's really going on, Walt just sort of tells her to go fuck herself. Literally, I think he actually says that. And it's wild that, like, Walt just so much, he has so much hubris that he will incorporate this woman who he told that he didn't even like in the first place. And then will still use her to like in a life to serve himself Walt is truly something different yeah Walt's ego is a major Achilles but I think the other one is his massive um sense of entitlement it's greater than ego I keep saying ego but like Walt has a superiority complex legit he thinks he's so much better and above other people and so they basically exist to fulfill his own needs. He feels nothing about incorporating Gretchen in this lie. And he feels it beneath him to even explain to her why he would do such a thing. This season, Walt continues crossing the lines. And that's one thing the show never lets up on. It never gives you breathing room in so far as like, maybe Walter's growing. Maybe Walter's learned from his mistakes. Maybe Walter is becoming a good person. No, it keeps like, it puts its hand around your throat and never lets up. Walter goes to see Jesse and Jesse is sleeping in bed with Jane and um, she flops over on her back and begins choking on her vomit after a drug binge with Jesse. Walt is there, could save her if he wanted to and doesn't. Fast forward to everybody else but Walter suffering consequences. Her father, who is an air traffic controller, deliberately caused two airliners to crash because of his grief over Jane's death. Right. Not to mention... You know, Jesse's grief, like, Jesse is not okay after Jane dies. Basically, everyone is fucked but Walter. <laughs> Every- um, everyone's suffering but Walter. The way the show frames Walter not turning Jane over, because it, it's not that Walt deliberately kills her. It's like she's just, she's starting to choke on her own vomit, right? And she's on her back. Mm-hmm. When that happens, what you're supposed to do is that you're really, you, all you're supposed to do is just turn the person over. It's not like even that she's overdosing. It's she's like her body's vomiting it up, right? right. She, w- she would have been fine. Literally all Walt had to do was turn her on her side. And I think that's critical because like you said, like she wasn't overdosing. She was sleeping when he got there. She rolled onto her back and was too weak and too much in a stupor to just roll back over. All he had to do was flip her over. (laughs) 
That's it. It's literally nothing. But Walt lets Jane die essentially because Jane becomes a formidable force in Jesse's life. Walter and Jesse by now develop a relationship that is similar to the relationship of like Quinn and Rachel on Unreal. Right. Oh, absolutely. I, they, I mean, like, I'll, I'll give it to Quinn. Like, she, I, I believe that she cared about Rachel, especially towards the end. But, like, yeah, the when we are introduced to them, it's definitely Walt and Jesse. Walt knows all of Jesse's emotional buttons to push. And it's only when Jane comes that Walt loses control of Jesse. And I think the show tries to frame it that, like, Walt is protecting Jesse from himself before Jane's death is that Jane demands Jesse's half of their their cooking money which is a significant amount of money. It's like, it's over $100,000. It's enough money to leave and set up somewhere else and do other stuff. The show sort of try like, frames it where she, Jane and Jesse are sort of like high and crazy together. So I think the audience is supposed to infer that like, had she lived, they would have just sort of smoked it all. But we don't really know that because we don't really know enough about Jane. So I come from the position of that is how it would have been. But also, so what? So what if she had stayed and Jesse had stayed addicts for the rest of their lives? She didn't deserve to die like that. She, no, she didn't. At the end of the day, it's like, you don't know if Walt is worried that like, that Jesse will be an addict and overdose. And that would be sad because he cares about Jesse. Or if Walt feels like, oh shit, my cooking partner who I need to make money is going to like overdose and not cook again. I mean, two things can be true, right? But I definitely feel like it's the latter. Walt is an admiration of Jesse's intellect, or at least was when we come into season one. But like I said before, by his superiority complex and feeling like he's so much better and smarter than other people, I absolutely feel like Walt feels like Jesse is the cost of doing business. He puts up with Jesse because he has to. I don't really feel like Walt loves Jesse. And I can't really pinpoint anything he does on this show for Jesse that doesn't directly benefit himself. Yeah. Fair. Like I'm Fair. I'm just not seeing it, fam. I'm not I'm not seeing it. Um, because I feel like if he loved Jesse at all, he would work with literally anybody else and not the addict because how are you here understanding that he is an addict and thinking that he can stay sober while cooking meth make it make sense do we have alcoholics working at the at the distillery (laughs) walt jr because he loves his father and even in the face of total neglect from his father gets on the internet and creates a website where people can donate money for Walt treatment. He's a good child, and he just, he loves his father, even though his father neglects him all the time. That's fine, whatever. Season two sort of wraps up with Walt going under the knife to resect, I think, the last of his tumor, because earlier they did say that the chemo had shrunk it by a significant amount. Skylar finds the second phone that Walt has been using, so now Skylar is like, onto him, onto him. Right, Skylar learns the truth in the season closing, and she's like, I need to get out of this marriage, basically. I thought it was a great build on the Walter character as he was already established. Breaking Bad was like, we're going to ride this shit till the wheels fall off. He's just going to keep doing bad shit, period. Season two is, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know how I feel about any of it. By the time we end season two, I feel like I'm watching the Walt and Jesse show. And when there are so many other characters that I feel are like, have been underdeveloped, underutilized, like Walt Jr., like Skylar, like Hank's, wife like Jane I I think it's a problem I don't know I think it's good I thought this season was good as well like I said I really loved the way that the the Walter character was developed but I do agree that a lot of our our other principal cast were underdeveloped, particularly Skylar. Like, I feel like if Skylar had been developed better, I really wouldn't have cared about everyone else's underdevelopment if that makes sense. I feel like as his wife, right? The person who lives with him was married to him. We should have gotten more from the Skylar character, not knowing who they are outside of Walt and Jesse. Like, 
I don't really know what Skylar's hobbies, interests, or passions are. There's a YouTube channel that I subscribe to called The Take, formerly Screen Prism. They've done a few episodes on Breaking Bad on various things, but their episode on Skylar White was actually one of the best that I'd seen from them. And they basically talk about how, you know, every time we see Skylar, she is in the throes of feminine trappings. She's putting lotion on her legs. She's brushing her hair. She's washing dishes. And the show sort of exploits the way that people, um, what we are conditioned as a society to innately hate or look down upon femininity in order to bolster the Walter character. And by not giving um, Skylar this very concrete personality, hobbies, interests, goals, real motivations outside of Walter, we can keep her in that space where she becomes a punching bag for audience members who do love Walt. And, you know, there's a difference, right? There's a huge difference between what you're saying and then I think about, once again, I'm returning to Sons, uh, there's a huge difference between what you're talking about and what, and like, say, like a Gemma Teller, right? Right. Because Gemma Teller is somebody else who wraps herself in the trappings of femininity and which we talked about a bit in that like she buys like she you you see her at the grocery store she's baking from scratch she's gardening she's tending to her birds she's you know organizing the fundraiser for the club but like that is a significant part of her character and the and sons uses it right right to forward her it is something that is vital and intrinsic about her. I think another thing that Sons of Anarchy did right, especially in regards to the Gemma Teller character, is that we actually meet Gemma before we meet Jax, I believe. She's at the hospital right after Wendy gives birth to Abel, basically enticing her now that she's given birth to end her life and saying that she, Gemma, and Jax will raise Jax's son. We get so much of her character from that very brief interaction. She's talking to Wendy for what, all of two, three minutes? We learn so much about her right there, how she feels about Wendy, how she feels about her son, how she feels about um, her grandson, her twisted perspective of what family means. We get all of that before Jax even comes to the hospital to see his son and give him a name. That's true. Like, her introduction is phenomenal. Like, (laughs) if you care about a character, you don't have to have them on screen all the time, even though Gemma did get a lot of screen time. You don't have to have them on screen all the time, but you do have to give them some personality. I guess the best example of this, see, I would want... Skylar to have gotten the Gemma or or Tara treatment. But for a character like Marie or Jane, for example, they could have gotten the Lila Winston treatment. Lila Winston is Opie's second wife. She has a whole life. We know what she does when we don't see her. (laughs) Right. That's my point is like, it, it doesn't have to be these huge long scenes. It's very, it's moments, you know, audience, like the view are your viewing audience is not like dumb. It, it can be brief moments of, but you have to make them specific and you have to know what you, you want or what you're doing because otherwise I think you get like Skylar, you just get Skylar. Like, like lotioning your legs is not a personality trait. <laughs> right. And like it I said before, speak to anything season three picks up. Yeah. Jesse went to rehab. He's fresh out of rehab. Walt. And like, is, seriously good for him. Cause I thought he was going to go on a drug binge after Jane, like legit. Right. Because like, you know, they're rich. He got to like, go to a really nice rehab. He went to one of those ones where it's like a spa in the middle of the desert. And they wear all these really nice fluffy robes. Good for Jesse. And season three picks up with Walt by himself, despondent. Walter is like lighting matches and then throwing them in the pool, which I don't know, whatever. And then he puts all his money like in the grill and then he burns it, which like, okay, whatever. And then he throws it. And then very, of course, very quickly, he like throws all the money he's burning into the pool because he realizes what he's doing is stupid. But yeah, that that scene didn't make, of all the things Walt has ever done, that made the least sense to me. (laughs) Did you really just set all the money that you destroyed your family over on fire? Fire? Sir. Sir, come on. What are you what are you doing? What's happening? Make this stop. By season episode three, he comes back to the house and basically tells Skylar, I'm not moving. I'm not leaving. Deal. And you, and you, and you. 
I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. I fucking knew it. (laughs) Essentially. Skylar's not feeling that part. (laughs) So then she starts fucking her boss, Ted. Um, Having an affair is not a personality trait either, but it's the most interesting thing she's done thus far. Yes. And this is what it... And this is the part where I was like, I really get why people hated her. Because, like, like you said, like, that's not a personality trait either. Like, and, and in fact, her, like, having sex with the boss doesn't make any sense to me. Like, because she is, like, shown as this really, like, like, if we have to, like, pull a person, if we have to, like, pull and infer, like, a personality from Skylar... She feels like the suburban version of like Reese Witherspoon's character from Election. Oh, Tracy Flick. Yeah, Tracy Flick would never though. She would have left him. Like, like she would have. She would have called the cops on him herself. <laughs> but she's a Tracy light, right? Like she's right. like she's diet Tracy. Like Tracy zero. That's who she is. Like if we have to try to derive a personality from Skylar, she is somebody who like finds comfort and instability within rules right so Mm -hmm. like if walt was just pretending to find comfort and stability in rules she actually does like that that's actually how she feels so her taking that action of just like having sex with her boss make makes no sense with what we know about her like it's so out of left i mean i tried to think about why she would fuck her boss and like it absolutely is out of character for skylar however Skylar is someone, because of the characters under development, who's pretty much just shown as whining and cheating for the duration of, of the series. I, and I think the audience would have respected Skylar more had she left. She didn't leave. Skylar's miserable. Her man's been lying. He assaulted her. He's doing illegal shit. He's ripping apart the fabric of their family. And Ted is a lot like Skylar in the fact that from what she knows of him thus far anyway, he is a regular degular guy who's all about order and stability. And I think by seducing Ted, she feels some level of normalcy. But being Skylar, she immediately tells Walter about her infidelity. Like, like I, I can understand. Like, for me, I kind of see this as what I thought Walter's behavior was in season one, where she, I feel like in her case, it's accurate, though, that she's just acting out. Because she has no control over her life anymore. It's changed radically. She doesn't know who the fuck her husband is. She's literally living with a stranger right now. (laughs) Right. I guess I just... I needed to see something else. Yeah, there could have been some lead up, I think, to that. Lead up. Or I needed to see something else of her, like, doing something to try to to try to get control back on her life of her life. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know necessarily what that would be. You know, I could see Skylar with like an eating disorder. Right. Like maybe if she was um, binging and purging or restricting um, like anorexic style to like try to ascertain control. Control. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, Skylar as an anorexic would actually make a lot of sense, especially since she's already had the baby now. So it's not like she's putting the baby at risk, but like she's dealing with a lot. Like I said, her life is completely out of control. Um, Walt's out of control. And Walt Jr. doesn't understand fully why she's why? upset with Sorry. Walt. If like with minor tweaks, this could have really endeared her. Even the, having the affair could have endeared her to the audience. But because we still didn't get any real expansion on her character, I think it just made Team Walt hate her more. (laughs) More, yeah. And in fact, you know what? In just the the anorexic thing, I could see, like, at least in a very specific way, I could see Skylar, like, her thing would be to, like, make these really gorgeous, beautiful, like, elaborate meals Mm -hmm. and watch everybody else eat them, and then, like, she doesn't eat them. Right, giving us brief from Desperate desperate Housewife teas, yeah. Yeah, like, I could see that. (laughs) Like, that would be, like, her, like, that would be her little, like, thing of, like, I'm going to, like, find something to control. Like you said, Walt Jr. is increasingly upset with, he's increasingly upset with Skylar because he doesn't understand, like, why he has to be living at Hank's and doesn't understand, like, why they're at, like why his parents are fighting. But let me ask a question. Why does Walt Jr. care? Because uh, Walt is the most 
neglectful parent when it comes to Walt Jr. Like, the show hasn't given me any reason to think that Walt and Walt Jr. are actually close. Even when, like, Walt Jr. gets in trouble, like, he runs to Hank. He doesn't run to his father. I actually thought this writing was real, very realistic. And I'm about to step on some people's toes, but it is what it is. Most fathers are Walt. They are physically present in the home. They give a financial contribution to the home, but they're not actually raising these kids. But we live in a society that makes excuses for that behavior and doesn't see it as neglect. If we're being really honest, even married women know that they're raising these children alone. (laughs) Walt has so many fathers that I know, but then their kids will still be like, I love my dad. He was a great dad. He was there for us. But there how? Who was at the PTA meetings? Who was fixing your boo-boos? Who could talk to you? Who made you dinner every night? Who tucked you in when you were sick? Not your dad. He wants that same normalcy that Skylar wants. He doesn't know that his dad is trash. He just knows that he was in a, a stable home and now he's in a broken home. Right. He Even if Walt is absent, it's the routine of his absence. Right. Right. And I mean, like you said, he knows who to go to when he has real fucking problems. He goes to Hank, but he still gives Walt that sort of uh, adoration that fathers get just by not leaving. Like the amount of men who are worshipped as great fathers just because they didn't abandon their kids is crazy. We meet Gus's character. Gus is the real deal. Um, He's the big boss. Well, actually, we met Gus at the end of season two, but this is the season, season three, where they're upgraded to principal characters this season, Saul, Gus, and Mike. Right, correct. His role gets bigger, I suppose. Jesse's still battling his old demons of addiction, and Walt continues to abuse his power in both his relationship with Skylar and his relationship with Jesse, because he is trash, you guys. And he even gets Jesse to Gail. So the Gail character is someone we're introduced to this season, Gail is also a chemist and a really good one, chosen by Gus. So essentially what happens is that can cook Walt's Walt's recipe. Like even Jesse, he tried to cook Walt's recipe in season one and could not replicate it with the same quality. But Gail can. So Gus is going to just basically take out Walt and Jesse because they're liabilities at this point. And so Walt... Um, enlist Jesse to kill Gail to save their own lives because then Gus will still need them. This is ugly, especially because he has Jesse do it. Jesse doesn't have any blood on his hands thus far. Right. And the word also the thing about Gail is that like Gail is really nice. <laughs> Gail is so nice. When like Gail and Walt uh, like initially work together, Gail is very sweet. Like he's very nice and he does everything that Walt tells him to do and is just kind and but I think what really grinded Walt is that Gail was essentially like Gail and Walt like Walt like you said Walt has a superiority complex Mm. and Gail was Walt's intellectual and like social equal and Walt couldn't deal I mean intellectual equal yes socially Gail's a better person than Walt period (laughs) (laughs) Like he's a much better person than Walt. Like he's a he's he's basically that meth cooker with a heart of gold. But yeah, like he like his like his hobby is like brewing coffee. It's ugly because, like I said, the only reason he wants Gail taken out is because with Gail out of the picture, Gus will have no choice but to keep him and Jesse alive. Um, so basically, Gail got got for being too good at his job. <laughs> Right, right. Um, and and I think there's a part of the show, well, there's a part of the show that tries to frame Gail's murder as, like, saving the relationship between Jesse and Walt, but, like, no. But that shit was toxic. And so, of course, any means that they would go to save it would be toxic as, as fuck as well. I want to talk very briefly about what a detrimental effect this would have on someone who... Jesse, who does have a conscience and is already dealing with addiction. Addiction is rooted in a lot of things, one of them being guilt. You're going to put something like that on someone who who has difficulty staying clean and sober? Really? Right. That you purport to, and then and you purport to care about them. Right. Yeah. I really feel the love there, Walt. Um, 
<laughs> season three was a mess and a half. Right. And season three sort of wrapped with um, Skylar sort of going in and, and, and agreeing to help clean this money. Right. Because she's, she's really stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's only two things she can do go along with this and agree to clean the money, which she does, or turn Walter in. That's it. Those are the options. Right. And also now, by now, Hank has been injured. And yes. And they're facing, you know, Hank and his wife, who was a kleptope to begin with, are facing what it means to uh, be at, like, you know, what it means to stare down these the hospital bills and Skylar wants and Skylar knows that they have the money and she wants to help them. So she takes measures to, to get that done. And that's part right. of her motivation. I get that. And I, and that makes sense, but the way, Oh God, the way it's written, like it just looks so bad for this um Skylar character again. Right. And again, this is one of those things that like if your team Walt you probably, you should have really, really, really loved that she was like all in at this point, but because she had no real personality to begin with, like Skylar being a ride or die has no real effect on our feelings about her. If you liked her, you still like her. And if you didn't like her, you still don't like her. Like the, the shift in her pers- in her, in her, her perspective doesn't change what you feel for her. Right. And in fact, I think this this move to make Skylar all in, it, like when it happens, how it, even though it happens for a legitimate reason, but like when it happens, it's like for me, it feels like the writers trying to get the audience to like Skylar. It feels like by now they, they've realized because and because because I do want to say this at the time of airing, like when this show's airing, that actress who plays Skylar and like the stuff that was said about Skylar was like really, really, really bad. Like it was really bad. Like I don't oh, know. I remember. Um, just and it was constant. And it was, and we're talking about like they would harass this woman on social media. Like people would like draw Skylar getting like horribly murdered. Like. It was even worse than the Bonnie stuff. And the Bonnie stuff was pretty bad as well. That's crazy to me. Like, first of all, y'all need to separate reality from fantasy. Anna Gunn is not Skylar White, first of all. Leave that lady alone. And audiences have also done this with even characters that are well-developed. The Angela character on um, Power, the actress who plays Angela was getting death threats on social media. Like y'all, y'all gotta chill on that. Like under separate fact from fiction. And I definitely feel like this is deeply rooted in misogyny. And, um, as far as the show itself, um, the show had exactly two women in the writer's room, Jennifer Hutchinson, Hey girl, Hey, and Michelle McLaren. And I also think that this had, um, a very strong impact on the Skylar character and the way that she was, um, conceptualized um some of the the some of the episodes where skylar has the most grit are actually written by women um season three episode eight jennifer hutchinson wrote the um wrote that episode and it's the episode you know jesse is leaving the hospital after hank has attacked him um things like that and we get kind of a more well-rounded view of Hank. This is the episode where Gail is taken out. It's interesting to me that the focus is constantly on these major characters, Walt and Jesse, when men are writing them. And I think that has to do fully with this need for white men to live vicariously through the Walt character. Like he's the evil villain and Jesse is his bumbling sidekick. Yeah, they're definitely, yeah, they're serving big pinky in the brain tease. Um, That's it exactly. That's it exactly. Pinky in the brain. So um, like, and which is like, okay, fine. Uh, And, and yeah, so season three for me is like, um, 
I like it better than season two. Uh, I just don't. I yeah, I like it better than season two. I like Gus. I like like the the like a deeper focus on the Gus character. Honestly, I and I like. Um, I like that we get more Mike. I like that we get more Saul. I really enjoy Saul's interludes. Um, and uh, I like, and then I also like the sort of like tables turned thing that happens with Hank's injury. So yeah, season three is, is good. Right. I definitely like the development of Saul and Gus um, as well. And Hank as well. I felt like Hank though he wasn't necessarily an underdeveloped character, was almost like a caricature of a law enforcement officer until season three. Yes, very much so. Um, but yeah, um, Dean Norris did what he had to do with that character. And I really felt that Hank started to come alive in season three. And we actually see the aftermath of that in season four. Season four is a season where we learn that like Hank is actually smart. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about that the next episode. Um, so what are your thoughts? You said that you thought season three was better than season two? Yeah, I enjoyed it more. Um, Definitively. I mean, the elements that are... The elements that are strong with Breaking Bad will continue to be, like, really strong. But the the parts that are weak will continue to be, like, really weak. And I don't think the show ever quite fixes them. And that's why I don't know that... um, Yeah, so I'm just sort of like, yeah... Yeah, if I had to rank these first three seasons, it would probably be season one, season three, and then season two in order of best to worst. Um, I do think season three is good. And I tried to think like, well, maybe the reason for this is because like I keep saying, our protagonist is a villain. But then I thought about um, actual situations and books and movies where our protagonist is the hero. Um, They still do a pretty good job of setting up the villain so that you know what your hero is up against. And I think the show could have benefited from setting up the people in um, Hank's, in, excuse me, setting up the people in Walter's life so that we can really grasp the full um, devastation of his actions. And we did not quite hit that mark. Um, I'm not a fan of reboots and remakes, but I would like uh, to see another show where our protagonist is the villain. And we do get a good deal of information about um, everyone around him who is, um, you know, the hero or the anti-hero. Because win or lose, we need to be invested in all the characters. Um, You know, as as much as she has tried to retroactively assassinate her character um, and her work, one person who does this really well is J.K. Rowling. We know that Harry Potter is the hero. Cool fine. But from books one through seven, we learn quite a bit of information about Tom Marvolo Riddle, AKA Lord Voldemort. That, that makes it clear why he's the villain, not just because he's anti he's against Harry, but like, why do we hate him? (laughs) And there you have it folks. This is everything that we think made the first half of Breaking Bad good, bad, basic, and thrilling. If you'd like to check out the series, Breaking Bad is currently streaming on Netflix. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you're a GBB patron on our top two tiers, be sure to check out our Breaking Bad Spotify playlist. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week when we'll be diving into the back half of Breaking Bad and sharing our thoughts on the last two seasons of this series. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.